1: You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Jason Roundsville. I'm joined today with my co host, Dylan Ray. And we have another special guest, Jack Culpepper, one of our board members out of Texas. Jack, welcome.
3: Hey, welcome, man. Thanks.
2: Glad to be here, guys. Hey, we're great to have you. I'm, I know we were, we were just talking off, offline, and, and we said, you know, are you a podcast listener? And, and Jack said, absolutely. And then we asked him, what's your favorite podcast? And Jack, what is your favorite podcast to listen to?
3: Obviously, it's the Pope and Young podcast.
2: And I'm like, that is probably the best answer we've had in a long time. So uh, we appreciate you being here. And uh, Jack, give us a little background about yourself. How long have you been with the club and, and what do you do in, in your normal life? And, and how has the board of directors treated you?
3: Well, um, let's see. I, I guess, you know, becoming involved in Pope and Young started uh, as a youngster with my dad because he was a member. And... Uh, very involved in in the organization so I think I became a member in the early 70s um, uh, I can't remember exact date but um, so yeah just growing up with him doing the bow bow hunting and uh, going to Pope and young conventions I remember as a youngster going to a bunch of the diff- different conventions and meeting people and and um, and that you know really got me excited about about Pope and young and becoming a member in the future and just uh a way to spend time with my with my father and my family and and bow hunting and stuff so uh, i've been doing that for ever since then and so for my personal life um you know i'm married i have three children i live in texas near uh in college station texas where texas a&m university is so um i've lived here all my life and um I'm in the real estate business. My grandfather started a real estate business in our community back in the in 1937. So, we've been fortunate enough to um to maintain our family business in real estate here in this community and it's grown over time with the community and uh and my son and and daughter, I hope to my son's actually involved in our business now and my daughter's in in school at Texas A&M, so I'm hoping one day she'll want to get involved. So um, it's been good. Uh, my wife's great. She isn't a hunter, but she lets me hunt and supports it and likes it. So, man, life is good.
2: Outstanding. I like to hear that. Yeah, you actually, um, you know, a few years ago, we actually bumped into each other at the hotel breakfast um, right before I came on as as the or actually it was right before my interview with the board for for the ED position. So that was a I still remember parts of that conversation
3: yeah i'll I'll never forget that Jason. I remember uh John and I kind of got up early and went down into the little breakfast area, and you were in there, and I think you were uh you were preparing for your for your interview maybe that afternoon or that day or or whatever, but I just remember we we struck up a conversation about hunting and different things, and um it was a great conversation, I remember after that thinking to myself, i bet. I bet that's the gentleman that's going to be interviewing for uh, executive director.
2: Yeah, yeah. And from there, now, now we're making history. That's right. So we've got a uh, lot, of, lot of big things going on with the club, and it's uh, you know kudos to you and some of the board members for, for sticking in there and, and making some, some decisions, not easy decisions, but decisions that are definitely right for the organization.
3: Yeah, you know, Jason, I I think uh ever since you you got on board, it's it's really helped us move forward and and we've had a couple of um really good groups of uh, uh board members and and people active in the club and I think we're we're headed in a really positive direction and um we have a lot of uh, great ideas and plans for the future and I think I really believe that our organization is going to you know, prosper and grow and and remain relevant to the bow hunting world and community. And that's that's what we need to do. And that's, you know, we're all on the same page. So it's it's a lot of work and it's not always easy to do, but I feel like we have the right group of people to make some significant changes and uh, and really, you know, bring that value add to a membership to Pope and Young and 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 encourage people and, and people will realize, hey, this is an organization we should, we should join. It's worth it and they're they're doing good things for, for bow hunters and, and the support that we love to participate in and, and I just I think we're we're moving along fine and, and, and thanks to your leadership um it's it's going good.
2: Well it's it's really I, I think some folks wouldn't wouldn't necessarily believe the balance that that we're trying to do with the board to where we're trying to, you know, be there, you know, be the voice of bow hunting in North America and be that organization to your average bow hunter while maintaining a walk that balance to respecting our history, respecting bow hunting, respecting where we've come from as an organization and our traditions and values. And it's a, um, you know that's a really fine line and and i just I, I hope people appreciate how much that everyone is putting forth to maintain that history um while still trying to be what we need to be to to take us into the next 60 years
3: absolutely yeah i mean there's so much like you said history with the pope and young club starting back in the 60s with glenn st charles and and the group of people back in those days that just were trying to, you know, get an archery season for bow hunters in a lot of the different states, you know, just starting out, and and a lot there's a lot of bow hunters that don't realize, hey, you know, Pope and Young was one of the pioneering groups to enable uh, a bow season or archery season in my state. So, you know, once all that was done over time, you know, the Pope and Young Club was not driven so much to you know, they, they accomplished their goals in the beginning. Yes. So so now, you know, your, your goals and your, and your membership changes over time. And, you know, what's, what's next, you know, how can we be relevant to your average bow hunter today? Well, there's a lot of other things Pope and Young does that people don't realize. And, um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna talk more about that and, and, uh, and push those different, you know, objectives. And, uh, and I think as people, the more people learn about our organization, if they'll go to our website and check us out, the more, the more they'll want to become part of it.
2: And it's, I I agree with you there. We're so much more than what I ever realized. Um, it, you know, I've, I've got a good friend of mine. He's been a Pope and young member for, you know, as long as that 30 years I've known him. And, you know, I mean, it's every time he, 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 gets an animal, I mean, it's, it's a huge respect thing. It's a huge um, deal, big deal to, to have that, a Pope and young, you know, trophy, but it's more than that. And it's, it's, you know, yes, we're the keeper of the records and and we have the museum, but it's, it's really so much more than that. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many things come across my desk every week That affect bow hunting in one way or another, and we are the national organization that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service turns to for you know things on this. We're the organization that you know other ones look to for our input. Hey, how does this? You know, how do bow hunters feel about this? And we're the we're the ones that people are coming to for that. But I don't know that your average. Um, everyday bow hunter like me even understands that. I know I didn't before coming on.
3: Yeah, I I really didn't either, Jason. And um, you know, being on the board and seeing seeing those um, those issues and and those conversations come through and and uh, position statements that we've made and discussions we've had. I mean, it really it really kind of drove it home. And it's it's so dynamic. All the all the different legislative things that are happening um, all over the country involving, you know, the outdoors, um, access to the outdoors, bow hunting, just hunting in general. I mean, there's, there's so much going on. You can't, it's almost like you can't keep up with all of it, but, um, but everything related to bow hunting, we try to try to be involved and as active and promoted as much as possible when we can. And and a lot of times we're joining on with other organizations that are, you know, doing the same thing. So, um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And man, it, we need it as hunters and bow hunters. Um, you know, you need to, you need to protect what you have and, and you need, and it's, it's, it's an ongoing battle that's never ending.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of folks look at, you know, when you think of firearms and, and second amendment, you know, I think NRA is, is who everybody well who, who takes care of that? Who protects that? Well, that's the NRA. And if you were to ask people, well, who protects bow hunting? And I think there's a lot of people. I think a lot of our members would say, well, that's Pope and Young. It's what we are. It's who we do. Or you know, it's who we are. It's what we do. But I think um, not every I, not everybody understands that to the same degree that they understand, like an like an NRA fighting for the guns. And right. so I'm anxious to to get that message out and let people hear about all the things that we are doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wish we had the budget of the NRA and the membership of the NRA, but hey, you know, maybe one day we'll we'll head in that direction. You know, we're we're trying to you know increase our membership and our and the things that we can do. The more members we have, the more actions we can take, and the more um, more things we can do to, to protect bow hunting and and increase opportunity for people. So um, I guess we're the NRA light for bow hunters, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to if you want to protect what you enjoy the most, I mean, us bow hunters, it's great to become a member of Hope and Young because we're out there working, and we need your help. And everybody needs to participate. Everybody needs to be involved because, um, you know, they're coming after us.
2: They they are, I'm, no question about it. They're coming after every facet of of our. Entire being. You know, I mean, they're coming after hunting. They're coming after, I'm trying to think, you know, trespassing issues and and not the trespassing, but they're coming after access issues. Mm -hmm. They're coming after, you know, equipment. They want to shut down. Well, you you shouldn't be allowed to hunt here for, you know, some just off the wall reason that really doesn't make any sense or have a a logical explanation, but they're just going to do it piece by piece and they've been doing it for years and they've been getting away with it. And so it's, uh, it's nice to know that, that we do have a voice out there.
3: You know, one other thing I didn't realize, uh, I mean, I knew that we had membership beyond the United States, but we have a significant amount of members in Canada. We have members in Mexico and I think some other countries, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make a difference in other countries besides the United States, in Canada, in Greenland. You know, we, we have active, um, we have people that are actively trying to open up archery season, I think in Greenland for, I forgot what species it was, but, you know, we don't, we don't really put that out to the public. So it's, it's like um, you'll have uh, a person that's very involved and interested in wanting to work on that and they just do it. Through you know our group Pope and Young, so we're not we're not real good at getting it out there to everybody, so they understand. Hey, it's not just here; it's it's everywhere. We can make a difference. We are we are doing it. Our membership is working to to increase that opportunity and to protect you know bow hunting and and for everybody. So that was uh, kind of a, a neat thing that I got to see as a board member. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that one, the one that's going on up there right now is is the trad season. They're trying to get a traditional archery season approved up there. So they're using um, our records and saying, hey, you know, this is why we were founded, is is to prove the legitimacy of of this equipment. Here's what we have. Um, Same thing, they used our records and and some of our data to help get the, the seasons opened up in russia there'd never been an archery season over there and and as of what year and a half ago they they opened it up so it's it's making a difference but like you said we don't stand up and wave the flag and say oh we're part of that you know we're on to the next thing because there's you know there's constant attacks and so we just you know participate in this battle and then we pick up our gear and we go on to the next one we, you know, we don't stand around and, and wave the flag like, like we should.
3: Right, yeah. Well, you know, now with, with Dylan helping us with our social media and stuff, you know, we're trying to toot our horn a little bit more. And those are the kind of things that we need to do. Uh, because yeah. to, your, to your average bow hunter, you know, I mean, if they're not really paying attention to some of these attacks, they don't really know um, what organizations are doing like Pope and Young to help them. And to give them that opportunity, you know, or at least, you know, if if you did want to go hunting in Greenland, hey, you know, Pope and Young may, may be able to help open it back up, and uh, yeah, that's worth buying a membership right there,
2: you know. Yeah. Well, it's I, I was talking to somebody at one of the shows, and you know, they were they were a little I will not say anti Pope and Young, they they just didn't know all that we do. And I said, you don't know tell me this. Did you bow hunt this year? They said, well, yeah. I said, well, you're welcome. And I kind of turned around and turned my back to him. They're like, what? And then I turned back around. I said, here's what I mean by that. I said, Pope and Young was, was founded on the very principle of showing that this is a legitimate way to take cleanly take big game. And we were instrumental in getting bow seasons established all across the, the country and the continent. And... You know, this is something this this particular individual, they never even heard that. And they had no idea that had it not been for us, you know, their their entire life would probably be different.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's, you know, like I said, if we can just get get folks to to check out our, our website and think about Pope and Young and just just get their interest you know i think all it takes is for somebody to kind of check it out and learn a little bit about what we're doing and how we're helping helping them as a bow hunter so um so let's just keep it going man
1: you know yes. i think i think that is the biggest the biggest misconception that that i receive is well i don't have any animals in the books you know i've never killed a big white tail i've never killed a, a giant elk i've never and, and that's not the point you know if you're a bow hunter we want you Um, if you're a bow hunter, you're part of us and, uh, or, or, you know, why don't I shoot an old bow, you know, you know, you hear those type of things. You're like, that doesn't matter. You know, we're not some group of elitists looking down on others. I mean, we, we want you to be a part of us. You're welcome here. Um, it's for all bow hunters, any, any shape, size, form, or fashion. We want you here. If you're a bow hunter. Absolutely.
2: I've I've seen a couple of of these guys shoot and I can tell you it's for every bow hunter. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no doubt it is for me you can you can watch me and see yeah. I, I
2: was i was really looking forward i know last year in virginia we had the the 3d core our, our pope and young world record course was coming in and it was going to be on site at the property and i was really anxious to see a few of these guys shoot because i i've heard stories about some some people that are very well known in the hunting community and i've I've heard some stories about, you know, this guy can split a ping pong ball, at, you know, wherever. And then there's other ones where they're like, man, I don't know how that guy kills anything. He barely hits a hay bale, you know, that kind of stuff. So Exactly. Yeah. I was, I was kind of anxious to see some of those guys on the course, but we'll, we'll get that back one of these days. Well, yeah, as
3: uh, you know, the convention we have coming up is uh, is there going to be a 3D course at that one?
2: You know originally we were um when it was in April, and when we had to move it to August, it just didn't allow for us to have the course. the Mount Archery Festival, who actually you know bought and and paid for that Pope and young three d course they already had some other conflicts, and they just weren't able to get it there. They tried i got um, it just couldn't on, quite get it there.
1: It went on uh a week ago, and it, and it did yes back and Heard feedback and heard it was an awesome course to shoot. Uh, Great turnout. You know, just a fun time. Really wish I could have been there. It's,
2: I'll tell you what, I got to see the course um, in uh, Idaho last year. or It might have been Colorado. Anyway, um, I went to one of the mountain archery festivals and it is really, I mean, you know, I've shot 3D courses for a long, long 30 years and it is something else. When you're shooting at a world record, it is definitely not the same as as what I'm used to shooting these 3D courses.
3: Yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to uh, go to one of those, go to one of those shoots and and see those animals and and uh, man, I bet I bet the nerves kind of tick up a notch or two when you're looking at a Pope and young uh, animal out there or world yeah. record.
2: World record, yeah. yeah, it's um, it was neat because we had uh, at, at the festival that I was at, we actually had one of the guys who had one of the world record elk, and he actually came to shoot at the shoot. It was, it was really neat. He's like, Yeah, man, I shot my elk again, so got <laughs> to do it uh, again, right? Yeah, uh, it's like. You know, we we kind of, when you're there, you're kind of like, how exciting is this? This, You know, I'm like, I have to shoot this course because this is my only chance to ever shoot a world record. But here's a guy, he's like, ah, I already shot one, you know, I'm just doing it again. So it's kind of a neat neat perspective to see.
3: Yeah, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, world records and, and hunting, Jack, tell us a little bit about your, your hunting experience. Where do you like to go?
3: Well, my... I'm really, uh, I really like to hunt with my, with my son. We kind of, we kind of team up and, and he's a youngster and, and, uh, you know, I like spending time with him. He's, he's in his twenties and, um, and I'm an old guy, so it's nice to have a young one around to kind of help out. But we are real, we're really into hunting whitetail together. And um, we do that in Texas and then also our kind of our favorite places in Kansas, and um because we we're uh, really kind of trying to improve the property and and um and there's all you know, when you when you own some property, there's always stuff to do. So we're uh we're reading a lot, we're uh watching podcast or listening to podcasts, we're um we're really um we're really involved and interested in quality whitetail deer management and and everything that's involved with that and, and hunting. And, and so I guess in our, anytime we have spare time, we like to go, um, do that in Kansas together. And then we've been trying to, or I've been trying to schedule, um, trying to tr- have like a hunt, if not every year, maybe every other year, besides a whitetail hunt that he and I can, uh, can go do together. So, you know, you know we only have so much time on this earth and, and our health is. Um, you know, only lasts for so long. So, you know, you gotta you gotta make yourself go do it and enjoy it and, and as much as you can. And so, I have never been on a sheep hunt, and uh, my son hasn't either. So that's kind of our our big goal is to maybe go on a doll sheep hunt. You know, in the future, while while I can still get up that mountain, I think I could. Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: you willing yourself up that mountain
3: yeah, I know he can do it, no problem, but for me it's going to be pretty challenging, so i want I want to do that when I can and while I can, so that's kind of our next our next goal is to try to you know maybe at the at our convention we can find a a good outfitter and get something scheduled because we're going to need help it's not something we can do by ourselves we've never done it, so um
2: we we've got a top-notch lineup of outfitters coming in. And we've got uh, Saturday, the auction Saturday. If there's a Pope and young species you're looking to chase, we're going to have it on our auction on Saturday. looks like we're going to have all 29 species represented in that auction.
3: Man, that's amazing. I mean, um, just to, to have that many different quality hunts available for guys to check out, And, uh, you know, whether, even if you're not, even if you, if you're not going to bid on it, but just talk to those outfitters and get a feel for what, what a hunt like that is, is like, where to go, what it costs and, um, you know, what you need to know about it and, and, and being there is, uh, it's really fun.
2: Yeah. And it's, um, I know we have just talking, talking to the outfitters and some of our corporate partners, there is a huge buzz a lot of excitement because we're the first major outdoor show in, you know, what will be, you know, two years. And so it's um, they're excited to get out and talk to the public and and see people and actually look somebody in the eye as opposed to on a computer screen or over the phone.
1: Jack, I got a question you mentioned in a prior conversation, really liking Mark Kenyon and and uh, and uh, Meat Eater. Have you ever watched their Back 40 series?
3: i haven't watched it but i've heard him talk about it on a podcast before
1: it's it's a really cool thing to watch you know they find a piece of of ground and and take it from nothing into a a a habitat that holds not only deer but but you know different growth and and squirrels rabbit they wanted everything right Um, so so it's really cool to watch that and then build this this piece of ground that's just worth its weight in gold whether you want a turkey hunt deer hunt small game hunt um you know hunt hunt for mushrooms i mean it's just a really cool series to watch
3: yeah man that's what we're into we're we're into just you know trying to improve the property for everything you know um turkeys quail you know any anything and everything that lives out there we want to make the habitat better and um there's a guy named ken sturgis and we we follow him subscribe to his channel and he's got a lot of really good information about you know quality whitetail deer management and um, and it's been real beneficial for us to um, watch his watch his uh, videos and um, and learn and and implement some of those strategies and and we've seen results. I mean it, you know we came from you know hunting deer in Texas, you know bow hunting here, and it's it's really a different kind of a different strategy at, than the Midwest whitetail hunting, and uh, and so we started from scratch, I guess a little over five years ago, and it it took a while. We were pretty pretty green and uh but we finally uh the last year or two started having more success and really understanding uh more about the strategy and and how to get get it done
1: yeah i've seen some giants that that you have have harvested off the place and that was actually my first encounter with you 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 shared a picture with me and and uh (laughs) i remember saying are you a member of pope and young not even knowing i was talking to a board (laughs) member um and you're like yeah i'm kind of a kind of a member and i'm like okay and uh but yeah i that was my first experience with you was just a a giant whitetail that you sent me from kansas
3: yeah yeah so that that particular deer um john and i had um we had had a lot of a past experience with he was actually uh we think that that deer was 11 and a half years old when we took him so he was uh you know oldest buck i'd ever uh you know had experience with over the years and um we had found uh four four years of sheds from that particular buck and three matching sets so three years of matching sets and then and one you know just a half but um but to watch that deer over those years and to to see and and we would you know we would measure them and 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 kind of study his habits and and stuff like that and Man, it just adds to the enjoyment and the fun. And, you know, we wanted to get the deer because we felt like the deer was probably not going to make it through the winter. But even if even if we wouldn't have been able to to take him just to have that history and that, you know, create those memories together and and um, and go through that process of working on the land. And and um, and man. Once you get the animal and you get to, I remember eating those back straps the night at or the night we were able to, the evening, and then that night having them. And it, it never tasted so good, guys. It was awesome.
2: That's great. And so how, you've been chasing them for how many years?
3: So uh, we've been after that deer. Actually, when we when we first uh, took that, got that property, that was one of the one or two mature deers that were, that were on the property. So we had been. We've been after him for um, beginning that year, so probably, probably you know, five years, I'd say, um, because he was already four to five years old when when we started hunting that property, and uh, and then we were able to take him once he was eleven and a half. Wow. So uh, yeah, we have all the pictures and and everything, you know, from our trail cameras of the deer over the years and and uh, it was it was really interesting to see the antler development too because you know he would drop down one year and you would think he would he was going to regress and because he was getting so old he wouldn't um be as good the next year and then and then one year he would really increase at an older age which really surprised us and actually the year the last year the year that we took him he was um he was probably the second um second or third largest set that we had so he still even at that late age maintained a really you know healthy um set of antlers and his body was a lot smaller you could see as like an older person i guess kind of gets smaller over the years but uh but you know to live that long pretty cool pretty cool
1: you know and and hearing you tell that story um that that is the the perfect example of a maintaining a good property, and uh, you know that's probably part of the reason you didn't. He didn't decrease so much, and he did make it through those harsh winters, is because you guys manage your property well. Uh, but also, b you know it's something that that non hunters don't understand is that you know we're not just going out to harvest these animals. You know we almost have a a sort of you know relationship with these animals. We've we've watched them grow. We've helped them grow. You know we've helped them. Uh, have a healthy habitat to live in and, and and to see those, those ages progress. And so, um, that, that story, man, rings true for, for, for a lot of non-hunters to really understand, oh, you guys actually care about the animals that you chase. You know, it's not like you're some, some brutal, heartless murderers.
3: Absolutely, Dylan. I mean, that's, that's the whole motivation behind, you know, being out there and, and working on the property and, you know, just loving wildlife. You know, the best um, conservationists in the world were were hunters and still are today because we have an appreciation for those creatures. And uh, we want them, we want to, want to have as many as we can on the planet and for everybody to, to enjoy, whether it's, you know, just having a look at one or taking a picture of one or actually trying to harvest one, whatever whatever, whatever it is the more the better right as long as they can um you know sustain and and have enough you know you know feed and and what they need to have water and natural resources to have a large population and wow look at the successes we've had in the in this country from our um you know north american wildlife you know program um all across the country you know all these successes and it's hunters that are doing this, and it's, our, and it's our tax money that goes into making this happen. So, um, so yeah, I mean, hunters are the conservationists for everybody, and, um, and I'm glad to be one.
2: Absolutely. And you talk about, you know, our tax money. This isn't general fund money we're talking about. This is a self-imposed tax that we put on ourselves back in the 30s so that we can perpetuate our sport and perpetuate wildlife going forward. A lot of people, you know, that Pittman-Robertson Act, a lot of people don't even, they don't even understand, They're, uh, you know, and I, I talk about that, and I'm like, imagine, you know, you going in as a, you know, whatever jogger and saying, hey, you know what, I want to pay an extra as so many percent just to make sure that I, you know, to put it towards jogging. That, that would never happen. Right. But with hunters, we did that. And uh, and it's paid just amazing dividends all these decades later.
3: Definitely. Definitely. And, um, you know, so we're, you know, we, John and I are just doing our small part like a whole lot of other hunters are. And, um, you know, there's a lot of bow hunters doing the same thing, a lot of Pope and Young members. And so, you know, being able to go and, and have that discussion and talk about, talk about you know conservation is is all part of being a member of Open Young too and and the opportunity to do that at the conventions is cool and so um you know just having having the discussion we're having right now with other people and and about conservation about hunting it's it's all comes together you know and we're all really striving for the same the same goals
2: you know, Jack, here's a question for you, a little bit off the wall, but you, you've you been attending a lot of conventions because, you know, you mentioned earlier your dad was active in poking out. He was even a board member, I believe, correct? Right, right. Yeah. So when you were going to these, give us a, one of your stories about meeting, because you're, you're meeting the, the best of the best, you know, at these conventions. Who was one of your favorites?
3: Man, I remember, you know, some of the historical figures of boat hunting being there, just, just regular guys, you know, just hanging out. And I was, I was a young, a young kiddo at the time. So, you know, I was kind of um, there when my dad would visit with these, with these men and they were, and women uh, and, and they were just, you know, just like anybody else, any hunting buddies or friends and just striking up a conversation about what's going on and where have you been, but their stories were on a whole nother level, you know, I mean, uh, I remember just um, just being in awe of some of the stories and trips uh, to Alaska, and and one one of my favorites of all time is was Fred Bear, and you know I got to meet Mr. Bear numerous times, and and um, and as a young person being at the being at the convention, I guess you know I got to visit with him a little bit just because it was probably unusual to have kids around, and so you know just to see the genuine. Um, uh, caring about you know other people getting involved in the sport and talking to kids and stuff like that. I mean that man uh, I mean uh, I'll never forget he was the best storyteller. Hunting storyteller I've ever heard in my life. I mean that guy. Oh, yeah. oh man and he was he was like a stand-up comedian. I remember him being a speaker at at more than one of the conventions and I mean you're just rolling on the floor laughing. I mean not only was he an incredible hunter and just a fun guy, he was hilarious.
2: That's I mean, great.
3: Yeah. The stories he told, I mean, it, people were just roaring in the seats laughing and, uh, and, and, you know, it was smaller back in those days, the size. And and a lot of those guys would know each other and they may have been on the hunt with him. So I'm sure it was even more, uh, more fun for them because they were part of it, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember him in particular, uh, Jim Daughtry, um, that, that gentleman, I got to actually hunt with him one time with my father and, um, you know, he had some incredible stories. I mean, um, and then I remember some of the guys, uh, would, would stop by and talk to my dad if they were in town in, in Texas. And, and so there's just a, man, when you get to know bow hunters and, and your, your fellow hunters that you just develop a, a camaraderie and a friendship that's it's it's unlike anything else. And uh, whether you're a member of Pope and Young, I think I think most bow hunters have that connection to, to one or two or even more people in their kind of their sphere of influence. And so, um, you know, becoming a member of Pope and Young and attending the conventions allows you to to grow that and and to uh, enhance your abilities to to hunt other places and learn about um other animals and areas that are good you know hunting and so and and it's just entertaining you know i just love meeting people and 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 asking them about what they enjoy hunting and and where do they hunt and what do they like you know how do they do it how what what's your whitetail setup you know all that stuff i like that
2: yeah well there's so many different philosophies and and the way they do it and and it's i'm just constantly learning every time i'm talking to somebody i'm just i'm like a sponge i'm just absorbing And oh really now now why would you do that and and then they have reasons and you're like man that makes sense i can't believe i never thought of that
3: yeah i remember uh you know talking to jim willems uh i don't know about a year ago i guess and and uh and he's a great storyteller and uh you know jim was telling uh telling a story about antelope hunting and how he had kind of um, come up with a, a stand that he built, and he was he was having you know a lot of the, a lot of times when you when you pronghorn antelope hunt you're in the, like a little a dugout in the ground, and then he came up with a deal to kind of set up like a kind of a tripod thing, and and he you know it was a new concept, and he kind of worked with that and and improved it and experimented with it, and it turned out to be. You know, he turned out to kind of have a great little mousetrap that really worked well for him, and and to just kind of think about that, and and to visit with guys that, you know, you know, did the welding, you know, came up with the idea, built the stand, and and had success. You know, it's just that's all part of the fun to me.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's
3: definitely. I've
2: I seen pictures of that. It's a different mousetrap for sure.
1: Just yesterday, I was telling somebody about that. I'm like, well, my friend Jim. He uh, he just sits in the middle of the open, but he's just elevated, you know, 12 feet, whatever, 15 feet and antelope never look up. And my friend was like, no, no, I don't believe it. And I showed him a picture of Jim just sitting in the middle of of this, you know, just <laughs> wide out in the open. And there's pronghorn all around him. I mean, just surrounding him. And I'm like, told you.
2: <laughs> that's, that's that's the guy that you all you, you make fun of until you see some of the stuff he's shot out of that contraption and then you're yeah. like huh maybe, maybe i better need to reserve judgment
3: exactly it's like man sometimes you just gotta you know pull something out of the hat and try something different
2: yeah that's uh so what hunts i know you guys did was it moose a year man i've been two years ago now
3: yeah yeah i guess it was a couple years ago so we bought that that was um i think we got that hunt in omaha and uh at the convention there and then so it was um mcmillan river and it was the moose hunt and um so john and i well it was actually uh, for john's graduation from college and uh, that's what he that's what he wanted. So
1: I wish my dad got me something. That yeah, man. That <laughs> I got a list of things I can choose from,
2: and I think uh, I picked a big one, which I think was a hundred dollar check. I did not have that option.
1: <laughs> I thought it was big. My dad got me a, a custom made bench knife, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool <laughs> But, yeah, but uh, he didn't send me on no moose hunt.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna well, call dad if you're listening. I'm, you know, it's never too late.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i guess he was a pretty good kid so we uh we elevated the gift there and plus that's i got the you know, so it, all, it always helps when the giver gets to uh participate as well right
1: absolutely problem, jason me and you wasn't good kids Oh um, yeah <laughs> probably excluded us right there didn't it yep afraid so
3: so yeah now we uh we got that hunt all lined up and everything and there's actually another guy that's a good friend of ours it's it's also a member his name is travis todd and and uh, we do a lot of work together. Travis does a lot of commercial roof work, and um, anyway, Travis and John and I went on this hunt, and, and man, we had an incredible time, and you know, uh, Don Lind is the owner of McMillan River, and and um, and he was at the Pope and Young uh, convention, and has a booth, and I'm sure he'll be at the next one, and man, that guy, he knows a ton about hunting in the Yukon, and, and I'm sure other areas, but our hunt was a was a moose hunt, and he was geared up for bow hunters. And we had a we had um, uh, two guides with us. It was John and myself, and uh, we had a nice uh, setup there with a um, you know like a little cabin there and on the Yukon. And it, man, it was remote. And John had never been in big timber and a big remote place like that. And and I hadn't been on to Alaska in like thirty years, so. So I was, it was real, it was, and I'd never been to the Yukon. So that was really a first for both of us. And, and man, we had an incredible adventure and, and hunt and we had success and, and it was just, you know, it was one of those, it's really like one of those dream hunts that if it wasn't for the Pope and young club and being involved and really, you know, wanting to experience that with, with my family, I, I would have, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do it. So I, that's another kind of tangible benefit of being involved in Pope and Young. It'll motivate you to, to, you know, push your boat hunting, to do some different things. And, uh, and that's an example of how, you know, uh, it, it did that for me.
1: You know, yeah. Jason, I've got the perfect plan for convention now. I'm going to tell yes. my wife, I'm going to tell my wife, well, I'm buying this hunt for our son's graduation. And she's going to say, Dylan, he's two i'm say yeah, I'm say, yeah forever.
3: that's right man but he'll
1: forever be thankful for it
2: <laughs> put, a, well, put a deposit down now yeah you know dylan i know where you can buy that exact hunt that they went on because don lynn uh just talked to him about too long ago he, he stepped up and we have one of those for our big 29 auction on saturday so we uh we don't take payments but we do take plastic
1: well, me and Jason, me and you, Jason, we're going on a moose hunt um, for my son's graduation in in twenty years.
2: That's that sounds. You think he's going to take him twenty years to graduate?
1: Well, if he's only twenty two, that's twenty two years old.
2: Okay, all right. Well, I mean that's a reasonable high school rec- expectation, I suppose. <laughs> so now that sounds good for me. I, uh, it's it's one of those bucket list items for that's that's on a lot of people's lists. It's definitely on mine. I'm just, you know, I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing that my bucket list is three pages long.
3: (laughs) Hey man, you're still young. You got a lot of time to check those, check those little deals off your list, man.
2: Yeah. Earlier you mentioned, you're like, Oh, you know, he's, he's got the young legs and I'm like, how come I didn't do some of this stuff when I was 19 and, and had those legs, you know, can, could run up the side of a hill just for something to do now i'll get up there but it's going to take me a little bit longer and I, I may need oxygen
3: yeah that's what i'm thinking if uh if i get to go on one of these sheep hunts man i'm gonna have to talk to the guide and and make sure they understand uh, it's gonna take a little longer for me than uh, my 20 something year old son to get up the hill so
2: yeah well but, it's it's doable and uh there's there's some great hunts out there I just, like you said, it's nice to just be able to go talk to the people, you know, go talk to the outfitters, and all of our outfitters are are set up for bow hunting. You know, that's, in in most cases, that's their specialty. And then you get to talk to the hunters, and then there's probably going to be people at the convention or at the dinner that have gone with these outfitters. And then you get to go talk to them and say, hey, how was it hunting with Don Lynn? How was it hunting with Peter Borella, how was it hunting with some of these guys that are the the top level of the outfitter
3: game? Yeah, I mean to to have a reference and to you know have it be someone that you're you're sitting there looking at and they can actually tell you, hey, this is this is my experience, this is what I found, this is you know, um, there's nothing like that, and um, and there there's an excitement about it when you're talking to the person and you're surrounded by you know all the different animals. And, and outfitters and you know it just kind of gets your juices flowing to to go you know buy a hunt or or you know plan something for the future and you know put a deposit down i mean those hunts every year it seems like you know it's not getting cheaper and uh, It it is not getting cheaper you know book it now you know book it ahead of time or or at least get in your mind hey this is what i want to do and and i want to do that in the next five years and come up with a way to, you know, save the money or make the plans or whatever you can do to, to make it happen, you know, push yourself. And, and, uh, and there's a lot of do-it-yourself hunts too. I mean, um, you know, we had um, that gentleman is, is, I think his name is South Cox. Yes. That, that came and gave a great presentation to, to, uh, at the convention about, you know, mule deer hunting and how he does it. And, the different areas he hunts and strategies he uses. I mean, man, if, if you come and you listen to some of these guys, they're amazing. I mean, they, you can take away so much uh, great information from them on, on how to do things like Alan uh, Bowen and um, uh, those guys that, you know, at Brendan, um, you know, with Kuyu, I mean, they shared, you know, um, a lot of their knowledge with the guys there. and um, And if, and if, If you're into it and you, you have the time to go do it, then you can do it yourself. You know, there's no question. There's a whole lot of Pope and young members that are doing it themselves. Yeah. On everything. So
2: I think we've got Frank Noska coming back in uh, to do the DIY Alaska. And that one was one, I know at the Omaha convention, I was running around like crazy trying to, trying to put out fires and, And that was one that I was really hoping to make. And so I got into it probably about 10 minutes late and it was a big room for a seminar or for a, for a breakout seminar. And and I got in there and, and every seat was full and they were lined up clear around the outside of the room so much that I, I didn't even have a place to stand. I was, I was blown away by how many people were listening to that. So we actually brought brought Frank back this year to to do that one again in Reno.
3: Oh, that's great, man! I I had never met Frank. I think until the Omaha convention, and what a nice man! I mean, just as friendly as he can be, and helpful, and and um, and I know he would be the same way with guys, you know, trying to uh, learn about hunting in Alaska and how to, how to do it yourself, and uh, and I know he writes articles and stuff like that. So, I mean. He's a Pope and Young member, and and uh, I know he's a guy that, that wants you to have success and, uh, and cares about all bow hunters. And, and he's there available to ask questions and whatever you want, man. Just another guy, just another bow hunter.
2: Just another bow hunter working on his third slam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Jack, one of the things that we ask every guest that you, you're probably well aware of is what's one thing. When you're out there, when you're up on the mountain or out in the woods, what's one thing in your pack that's maybe a non-traditional item that that not everybody would think to have with them? Wow. You know,
3: I have pretty bad allergies. So uh, I'm gonna say a, a red handkerchief or bandana. Maybe that's common.
2: And not just for COVID folks.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I use that thing to clear the to clear the nostrils, clear the head out a little bit, and also. But it's also good for your binoculars, you know, cleaning them up the lenses. And uh, there seems like there's always some use for it. Gotcha. Oh, so, all right. I guess that would be mine. So red handkerchief. That's it. I don't know why it's red, but that's what I got. It's all okay. standard old standard um, red bandana.
2: Yeah. I'm. Uh... Uh, it's kind of the bank robbers used to wear
3: yep exactly yeah. Exactly. I actually uh, came in pretty handy on that moose hunt uh, it got real hot one day and uh, put it over the head and kind of tied it around I got my ears are getting pretty sunburned tied it around the ears and uh, it kind of helped me out man didn't have any sunscreen but old bandana came through
2: nice <laughs> very good so, well, Jack, I just I want to take this opportunity. I want to thank you for all you do for the board of directors, for Pope and Young, for the club. I I know you helped me tremendously in my first three years here. And and uh, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, It's great to talk to you and, and get to hear some stories. And I hope our listeners enjoy it. I know I sure did. Well,
3: man, we had a, I had a great time. Thanks for allowing me to be part of this podcast. And uh, thanks for all the work you guys both do, Dylan, you and Jason, uh, for Pope and Young and for hunting. And, uh, man, I had a great time today, and I can't wait to see you guys um, in Reno.
2: It's coming right up. We'll see you there.
3: Okay, sounds good.